Good afternoon and welcome to Isotopica with me, Simon Tishko. And this week I shall be taking a walking detour through the Welcome Collection with rogue enthusiast David Ellis. Um, this is one of the biggest medical libraries in the world and is an absolutely fabulous place. I can recommend it to all. Further details of today and other shows are available at www.theculture.net. And in the meanwhile, enjoy this detour. Simon. Um, the Welcome Collection, this is the Welcome Collection um, and I'm sort of, I'm going to be, I'm a bit ropey with the history itself of the building, the collection and so I'm not even going to attempt to sort of give a historical context, maybe later on when we meet Ross who will be able to fill those things in but um, the general idea was to walk through the shelves, partly because I think the file, it's the system itself that's as intriguing as the actual the, the, the books. And my idea is that the books should possibly lead us as opposed to us leading through a very specific route. So mm -hmm. if we just walk along here, there is one point that I wanted to start from and then perhaps from there. So obviously we've got the history of medicine, general practice, nursing, interesting in itself, but perhaps it's this bit that I get particularly pleased to read out. Ah. At the top of the list, we have gifted children. Mm -hmm. Now, am I wrong, or will you consider to be a gifted child? No. Apart from, um, you know, my mother might. I obviously thought so, but my mother did. But no, not really. Um, I was quite bright, but certainly bottomed out very quickly. And went to where from that position? Because <laughs> you were talking about coming in the back door. I mean, when we actually, we had the option of coming from the front door, but, but, but Ross permitted us to come through the back door, going through. You were saying about, you know, well, the relationship with front doors and back doors. Uh, that? That's always a backstage thing. I think always been backstage in life. Um, and going from academically gifted, going to a good school and dropping right out of the bottom. It's not through being stupid, but simply not being able to enter into the system that they wanted me in. So that's backstage, that's back door. Okay. But just, I mean, it's very difficult to walk along these shelves without pouncing on every single book. The titles are just swimming past. There's just remarkable words and remarkable combinations. And even, I mean, just even this here, the, the, one, one of the themes we often come up with is nostalgia. And this, the, the, where you started, gifted children, surgery, dentistry, veterinary medicine, it makes no sense in, except in terms of a library. Put that, put that in a different context and, you know, somewhere you visit. Gifted children to the right, please. Surgery to the left. <laughs> this is like HMS welcome for me. It's the, the uh, you know, the architecture itself is almost like a, some kind of Cross, cross ferry, uh, yeah, cross channel ferry for me. Um, looking down here, what do we have here? We've got a, I don't know how many names we have, but we've got Aristotle, of course, Hippocrates, um, Paracelsus, uh, Harvey. Harvey, I don't know who Harvey is, and I'm sure later on Ross will tell us. Any, anyone that you take a fancy for? Well, the names, I mean, Hunter, Darwin, Bernard, Mendel, I mean, these are all names. 
that medical theme, they could be names of wards. I'm going to go and visit my mother with a bunch of flower and hunter ward. I think I probably have in the past. And it's, the, the references fly all over the place here. There's, there's a history here which is much greater than the sum of its parts, I think, don't you? With this, certainly the architecture, um, I can see it tilting over and water flowing up those stairs there, having made your grand entrance, and, and the library's just hit the iceberg. But there, there's the, 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 the first reference when I came in was Wings of Desire as well, the idea of angels sitting around. Well. Angels with the little hands on our shoulders, yeah. looking round. And as Ross mentioned, demons too. Is there any anxiety? I mean, do you, do you experience any anxiety in here? I mean, I, I have to say that I, all, libraries always create an enormous amount of anxiety in me. Um, I don't know why that is. And even when I came here to look, prepare this route, I still felt quite anxious. I mean, it's a physical experience. Okay. Excited, but anxious at the same time. One also because I don't know where even to begin uh, to, to, to select what I'm going to read. Is that not true for you? It's actually the reverse, I think. It was libraries have always been a place where I could find shelters, not the word. What's, what's that nice word that you used to do in churches? Solace. No. No. Um, um, sanctuary. Um, sanctuary, yeah. You'd find sanctuary there because it's where the sports people weren't. You didn't get any sports people in the library, so I'd always be hiding with my note from my mother. Simon can't do such any such. sport whatsoever, ever. Simon's not fit for life, so you'll find him in the library. Do you still have the note by any chance? I wish I had the notes. I may well, have to rewrite them, in fact. But you sense it's impossible to do justice. I mean, that's the thing with... It, 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 I've been reading a lot of quantum mechanics recently. It's been one of the subjects here. And here, just, just one book. We could spend weeks on one book, I'm sure, and to, to sort of drift through here. It's very much HMS. HMS welcome. Well, one, I'd, I'd actually had hoped. It was un, we, we couldn't, I couldn't actually arrange it, but there was this notion, I had this notion, perhaps we could possibly get some security cards, some laminated, some nice laminated cards with our names on it, just because it was a sense of accessing you know, this notion that when you have to have something to, 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 to legitimize your, your sort of entrance, you know, say, I'm, I've come for legitimate research. As it is, we're here anyway. But there's an element of that for me that still excites me about the libraries that as soon as I'm in and I've sort of whipped my card, I feel safe, mm -hmm. actually, with all this information and knowledge. Yeah. Shall we have a little look? And then we get tactile with some of the books, I think. Non-medical subjects, including history. There you go. Um, look at these German texts. Yep. Classic, classic German te uh, or the classic um, Germanic typeface. Patience and promises. Patience and promise. I beg your pardon. Could it be possible to go round here and just make a beautiful poem by reciting the titles of these books endlessly? There is a section, and I, I took a note of it. Well, there's a, I did think of you. There's a history of fireworks or, or pyrotechnics here somewhere. Oh. Uh, maybe it's not here. Oh, but, um, heaven. I, I kind of visualize. And, and I thought of you with pyrotechnics, and I don't know why, if that's misreading you. Um, I'm assuming this book, Love Apotech, is... From Denmark. Um, lovely chemist. Yeah, it's a book of chemists throughout the... Look at this, the actual places where they manufacture. It's funny my relationship with chemistry having changed. Once again, the back door, because I think one of the... My flatmate once burgled a chemist for the DDA cabinet, you know, the dangerous drug cabinet. Yes. 
And when I came home late in the evening, there was a cabinet on the floor with all the concrete bolts on, and we were opened it with a crowbar to get all the bits and pieces out. So, yes, love Apotec. Okay, so we've got the herbals here. Loads of herbals, histories of. And Dias, let's have a look. As I said, the physical part begins now. It's the weight of these books. I yeah. have a feel of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you still reading books? Very much so, but, but absolutely not as much as I used to. Possibly for the same reason you. I find learning to read with glasses is um, it's, it's quite a step. There was, um, in some research I was doing about a botanist who went to South America and spent several years collecting samples around the Amazon, including drawings and samples that were pressed very much like this. And then there was a fire on the ship and the whole lot was lost. And how volatile memory, um, history, information, knowledge can be. Because when you think, you know, something like this, this constant attempt to, that, that's it, it's there, it's forever. Yeah. And yet, um, how quickly books become out of date, how quickly the internet becomes out of date, as we think of it now. And then thinking of things like the, um, the burning of libraries, the burning of books. Is there a book that you would consider burning, Simon? I um, mean, even if you didn't speak about it. Tory Party Manifesto? That's a pamphlet, isn't it? No, not really. I don't think there's any book really no, worth borrowing. There's always, you know, there, were, there, there was an occasion when I actually, I, I'm not sure I'm ashamed of it, but I'm perhaps a little bit embarrassed that there was no living in a, in a, living in a squat, actually, in North London. And I ended up burning some books on mm. the open fire, which now would be absolutely unthinkable for me to do. But I just chucked, chucked them in, you know, um, penguin books and, and things. Um, and th there was a period where I think there was a collection of astrology books, which I, you know, there was that transition where if anything's going to go in the fire, it had to be astrology books, so they went in. But now I'm looking at it and I'm thinking how awful that is um, to destroy a book. Well, there's always a use, even in really bad books and badly written books and misinformation, there's used to have that information. And it's a, there's actually a range of, his, uh, of time scales here, cancer survival rates up there. And if you think misuse of information as well, how. Um, going back to the Tories once again, the sort of twisting of the national health and the statistics around survival rates and there, how knowledge can be misused and is misused and how that changes what is misuse. And, and there's something about trying to fix things, isn't there, with the library? A really noble sense of trying to fix something. It kind of brings us to monsters, really, teratology. What uh, is teratology? Teratology. Ross... What is teratology? You've got to come on in on this one. Well, I think the context of this is like the, the, the history and nomenclature of um, uh, monsters over time, or, or, or thinking of the, of the human form in, uh, in over different historical periods of monstrous, uh, monstrous growths and monstrous births, certainly sort of medieval and early modern times. Almost representative of, well, yeah, almost, almost uh, representative of the, of the wonders of God's work on earth as well, the different forms that humankind could, uh, could take. Let's move along this. Ah, this, this is, I did mark this out, bookmark it. 
which has uh, brought to light photography in the invisible, 1840 to 1900. Um, I thought of you mm -hmm. immediately with this, because it's just um, secret worlds under the capitalist early photography. Did you see the tent just went past no. then? Um, that would have been the developing tent, but at this time in photography, you used to actually have to have a tent to change the plates, because it was all on glass plates at that point. So you'd actually have to have a building to go with you, think in terms of an the mobile tent phone. Outside. Erect a tent, change outside. the glass, to do very slow exposures. Okay. So flapping canvas and... Catalogue to some Sturbenschon. Feel like we, we could do with the translator. Here, here is Hogarth. Now, again, I said, there it is. It says Hogarth works here. Um, I... And that it's health and happiness. And I, I, I had a bit of a hobby horse about the happen, happiness studies. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the current conversation about there being happiness and you can measure it, etc. Can you measure your happiness? Like right now, for example. Where are we on the scale of being happy? Oh, One God, to ten? I'm, be I'm below the scale of 10. I'm minus 3 at the moment, but you coping. You've broken your arm, that didn't help. I've broken my arm, yeah, so I've kind of got a medical reason for that. I'm just, sorry, just, just here looking at Hogarth's book here, and you see the sort of the richness of the inlay, um, just of the internal covers, and the gold leafing of the book. It's something I remember very much from childhood, of, of little Bibles and things like that. That's real gold leaf on the edge, and the absolute craft that was put into a book. And compare it, I got a book token for Christmas, and I went into one of those chain bookstores I never really go in, and buying book three for the price of one or three for the price of two, and it just... <laughs> a little shudder going through. Here, look. Five men in a boat. Industry and idleness. Mm. Well, this is... That certainly fits in with the notion of happiness. Look, guy with his pipe. Guy with the rope. There's a whole story going on there. The idle apprentice turned away and sent to sea. There, listen, just the noise of books been turned. What have we got here? Industry and idleness once again. The idle apprentice betrayed by a prostitute. Oh dear. Guy with the dunce's hat in the corner. It's gone out of fact, the, dunce, the dunce's hat. I think, you know, I, I think I might even have been alive long enough to remember actually on having it. one on my head at school or placed on, no, if, not, if not a dunce's hat, been placed at the back of the, back of the classroom and sitting on the chair. Did you ever, were you ever placed the, uh, at the back of the class back for the classroom. disruptive behaviour or something, something like that? Yeah, just they didn't like the look of me. Guru Humana or Gura Humana. Leonardo da Vinci drawings at Windsor Castle. Kenneth Clark and Carlo Peretti. Kenneth Clark, the historian. You know Kenneth Clark, the historian? Yep. History of micro technique, 1975. I'm thinking about the, the gaps. There's this um, this notion. This idea. I mean, I was I swore that I wasn't going to men mention Walter Benjamin, but. What can I do? I, I, it, it, uh, please, please sorry. Mention, mention. It's just, you know, um, just notions of gaps and spaces and, and, and the book, the collection. 
Um, and when, that's why I think when I was saying earlier that I felt quite anxious, it's because there's a part of me that sort of is, is I don't know what to do with this amount of, of um, knowledge. I mean, the actual physical, it's talking about the physicality of it. It's overwhelmingly physical and central. Um, so I kind of get, I, I tend to have to refer back to Walter Benjamin just because he speaks so much about like, how he experienced the book, you know, as an actual, as substance, as something solid, as matter. Is that for you the same, or is that...? Very much so. And, uh, I mean, Walter, Walter Benjamin, I always think of the arcades project and the endless corridors, and you've kind of got... The, if you think of the, the arcades that he talked about, the Parisian ones, you've kind of got touches of that coming into here, and the endless corridors that I always think about with him. But then I think of how he died on the border running from the Nazis and a morphine overdose? Mm. Morphine or a heroin overdose? Okay. Probably morphine at that point because he was about to be arrested. He couldn't cross into Spain because of the fascist system in Spain and he was being pursued by the Nazis so he chose to take his own life at that point. I have a fancy going down the staircase which is... Okay. Arts in relation to medicine and science. Is there a relationship? Arts, medicine and science. Medicine, what about that one? Mm. I always thought I was a doctor in many respects. <laughs> Could quote the Mims backwards at one point in my teenage years, I think. Human anatomy, em embryology, reproduction, philosophy of science. Can we just read some titles yes. for a while? Yeah. Go and take it in turn. Sigmund, Shlomo, Freud, Sander Jakob, Ben, Shlomo, and the the psychoanalysis. Frank Levin, Albert Garreau, pioneer cardiovascular surgery. We've got the way of the animal powers here, down here. Um, secrets of art and science, sacred circles. Oh, we're in the general area of shamanism, perhaps, possibly, or magic. I'm not sure about sacred that. Sacred circles. How does that come up? What's, uh, what side of the side of that? Sacred circles, earth medicine. So, yeah, we're in the area of the earth. We're on planet earth here. And the sacred sciences. Bacon bibliography. And then we, uh, ancient Egypt. We're moving into ancient Egypt. The state and professional knowledge. White. The Journal of a Voyage in HMS Beagle by Charles Darwin. This, this must be... Uh, what's the history of these books, Ross? I've got to, got to ask you that. Yeah, They've got such... The, the, the section here is, is sort of uh, is the folio section, so it's marked as larger than normal uh, yeah. sized works. This is a nice... Um, large-scale version of uh, Darwin's uh, Voyage of the Beagle will be quite ornately laid out uh, in, in the actual in actual format that it is there. Mm. But it's it's a, it's a great section here to give you a sort of a cross a cross section of the library's collection. So having sort of Darwin near Freud, yeah. the two of them quite near uh, works on medicine and art and you know, ancient, ancient Egyptology as you mentioned there and not too far away from there you get into the alchemy and the occult 
a couple of shells down. Drawing ribbons between books. <laughs> coming on pinning ribbons across and yeah. drawing lines because yeah. there's, there's so many. Where would the original Darwin papers be, his actual diaries? So his, his papers, um, if memory serves, uh, most of Darwin's papers are at Cambridge, if memory that serves. Sense, yeah. Yeah. But we do have in the, in the archive collections here uh, a couple of letters from Darwin. Uh, if memory serves, one of the letters that he wrote that we have here is uh, him sort of describing him undergoing uh, treatment for his ailments uh, with the, the water cure in, in 19th century uh, Yorkshire. So, uh, so, so, so Darwin undergoing sort of a, a quite intensive uh, treatment for his, uh, his many ailments that he had during the course of his... I what the water treatment was at that point, a good dipping or... Yeah, well, it, things like sort of wrapping, wrapping the head and wrapping the body in sort of wet towels. Mm -hmm. uh, the belief being this would sort of uh, cure him of his, uh, of his uh, aches and pains and ailments. I mean, Darwin fascinating not just for the fact that the works that he produced, but the works that he produced during a sort of long and, and very, at times, uh, unhealthy life uh, as well. Um, uh, many of his uh, letters that you'll that you find in the archives, and now they're available uh, online as well, are describing his ill health mm. as much as uh, describing his, uh, his work on uh, evolution. Well, can you tell me a little bit about Wellcome himself? I mean, what I know for sure is that he was bored into a log cabin in Wisconsin. Is that true? Very much. I mean, this, this, this is someone who becomes one of the world's great collectors and a very sort of rich and uh, industrialist in this country, but he's born into uh, rural America uh, in the mid-19th century, born into, um, well, when all said and done, the Wild West, as we'd sort of probably, pro properly call it. So, so, he, so he grows up in a very rural environment, uh, experiences uh, notions of the other with uh, growing up near, near the, the oh, well, uh, close to the tribal lands of the Sioux. So but from a very young age, he appears to be, uh, he claims later on, interested in notions of how um, different civilizations change over time through their attitudes and, uh, and notions of health and well-being. It's almost, almost his, his notion behind collecting his vast array of objects, manuscripts and books. It was almost a sort of a trace in a sort of Victorian anthropological mm. way, the sort of evolution of mankind. Including through. Napoleon's tooth. Indeed so, yeah. Including uh, is that some, here in this building? In, 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 uh, I think in, in this building we have sort of this, uh, quite a lot of, sort of um, memorabilia of uh, famous individuals he, he collected over time as well. But I think what's fascinating about the nature of the collection here uh, certainly in the library, and I think sort of mentioning the names around the frieze is a very intriguing point, is that almost the, the, what, what the Wellcome Library records and possesses and, and holds is not only sort of works by sort of these, uh, inverted commas, great men of medicine, but also the, the works depicting and, uh, and describing the, sort of the gaps in between of these great people, so the lesser-known practitioners uh, and how their uh, practical treatments evolved over time, but also, after all, the patients. So you, you can't have medicine with just having the doctors. You've you got have Texas to, medicine down there. There's Texas, a specific Texas medicine. Texas Was that, is that kind of oh, horse hair and, and what? stuff? As ever with the Welcome Library, it's the, 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 the collections here are so vast that sort of focusing on one thing seems sometimes sort of th yeah. th th throw me to give you an exact <laughs> description, but it's but it, there's many sort of works about particular places as well. So I'm, I'm not surprised there's something as specific as t Texan medicine if uh, <laughs> such, such, such a thing exists. But that's uh, part of the joy of working and uh, in such an institution as this, is just always discovering something new. And yeah. it, days go by, every day you'll find something different on the shelves here. Simon, yes, you've got to ascend a ladder here. I mean, I can't believe you've ascended a ladder in a library before, or no? No, I've never had it. I mean, I've just, just, just seen that there, because it's, it's, you know, the top shelf starts to call those some Tibetan <laughs> Tibetan things over here, hang on. 
And then I noticed the warning sign, do not position ladder close to the handrail, which is presumably not to fall into the middle there. But Tibetan, uh, Tibetan medicine, I guess. Yeah, that's a beautiful book. Um, I'm trying to work, it's Italian, it's, it, that's Italian, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, it looks like yeah. Italian. Yeah, so it's an Italian book on Tibetan medicine. Which, you know, the, um, the cover itself looks like a mandala, but that's a very modern design, isn't it? It's actually quite recent. At the back, the classic mandala. The Buddha in the middle, Gautama. Just to look, just to look, so many things. Have you ever got, have you ever, Ross, have you ever had to say shh to someone? Does people do that in a library? Have you asked someone to be quiet? I, 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 I have over the course of time had to, had to, had to do that, uh, like, like, like any sort of any person who works in a library, uh, it, often because the, the conversation some people were having was disturbing other readers, so the interest of our readers was paramount. So I think one of, one of the interesting facts about the library at the moment is it's very much a space that's, I think a lot of people are drawn to the library because it is a quiet, contemplative space oh. as well. So it, it is somewhere where... Uh, uh, we're trying to uh, have the best interests of our users. Mm. Uh. The reason I ask that is actually because I've seen there's no one here. Mm. It's the absence mm. of the librarians and the theatric, the kind of performative aspect sure. of the of the librarians because mm. of the uh, th there's an element of being aware. Maybe that's part the root of my sure. anxiety was yeah. that my memory of the library was one in which there were others. Yeah. Um, and yeah. therefore, there's a sense there are certain things that you you do, yes. or rather, more importantly, don't do. And you have to be familiar with the with the etiquette, the rituals, etc., that come with the library. And that shh was was my memory. Wood Green Library, a long time ago. Um, it, always, it always should be. I mean, I, I just, just you know, as you're kind of raising your voice there, the excitement there, suddenly because we, we're out of bounds, we can do that. We're, you know, there's no one bounds. here. Yes. But I'm sort of thinking, no, don't. Yes. It's like, whereas at the V&A Library, they had a screening for one of the Friday night things of Spinal Tap in the library. It didn't seem right. I mean, it was no, it was perfect. It was just the most absurd thing. You could possibly do, which is the whole point. You know, great big screen set up and everyone in there watching Spinal Tap in this fantastic Victorian library. It was um, sacrilegious in many respects, but that's, that, that's the whole idea. The Sassolipius and other ancients are presented with exotic substances that are turned into medicines into a pharma, pharmaceutical laboratory. That's oil painting. 1791. Yep. Western medicine at a pivotal moment during the French Revolution. Ancient Greek figures who endowed traditional Western medicine with its repertoire and concepts and vocabulary. Alchemy, that's a word, I mean, you know, that's, that's alchemy is just such a thing said, here. I'm pleased you said that because that's exactly where I was about to go. Here. <laughs> I know exactly where that shelf is. I've yeah. spent a little bit of time there already. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a library? Kind of post-apocalypse, you know, if you had somewhere to be. Um, I believe that to be... Well, here's Alchemy here. Alchemy. Significant section of sort. None so old. Do you have any kind of very... Mm. <laughs> so, Manuscripts, yes. alchemical manuscripts. We do, um, yes, yeah, we do. We have, uh, that's one of the first 
main sort of uh, changes for me when I first started work here. I was very surprised. I, I was very old-fashioned in my thoughts of what uh, a history of medicine library would contain. So when I first started working here, working on um, the, the, the catalogue of, of our manuscripts, to discover that we had more um, uh, uh, more manuscripts and alchemy than I thought ever existed. Or actually, we actually had in our collections here. So we've got a huge array of. Uh, of manuscripts uh, uh, concerning alchemy, concerning other uh, occult interests over the course of time. And you've got a, a manuscript in the, in the hand of John Dee, where he's actually uh, quoting and sort of uh, thinking of, of um, the work of the Catalan alchemist Raymond Lull. Uh, and, we, and we know it's uh, a manuscript of uh, John Dee's because there's a sort of ladder mark that he used on his, uh, on his texts. And the person who identified that originally was uh, M.R. James. So there's a wonderful connection between yeah. sort of M.R. James, the, the, the scholar, and uh, a, a figure you, know, you might even imagine to turn up in an M.R. James mm -hmm. uh, story like, uh, like like John Dee. So that's just one one minor uh, account of one of the many many alchemical manuscripts that we have. I think just to develop a term, I think of scrolls and, mm. and sort of handmade paper, handmade, handmade everything. Mm. There was a lot of faith, wasn't there, in alchemy? Because it was kind of it, 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 it was it was not scientifically based. It wasn't evidence based. As it's this constant notion of playing. There's great playfulness about alchemy. I, mean, I was using that term because of working with neon quite a lot recently, and it's more of an alchemical process. Think of it more as alchemy than a science, even though it is a hard science, because it's almost impossible to reproduce the same effect again and again. The variables are so. There's more titles here. Symbols and titles here. Curious lives of the elements, a nice piece of graphic design in the style of the chemical, uh, the periodic table. Developments of modern chemistry, studies in the history of chemistry. From alchemy to atomic bombs. Ah. A pre-pictorial uh, history of chemistry. concept of valency. I don't even know what the word valency means. That's really, that, that does frighten me, is to come across words I don't actually know the meaning of mm. in a library, so I, I, I want to Google it straight away. And that's, that, it, 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 instead of reaching for the dictionary. It used to be called asking, didn't it? I guess that's why, where you come in, is to say, to, yeah, who is, what is this, what is the concept well, what, of that? What I'd recommend about valency, I mean... Valency, it, sorry. The, 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 every information professional, I, I, I may not know the answer, but I might know where to find it. Ah. And in the context here, I, I would uh, do what Simon that's, is doing, and just opening, yeah. taking the book off the exactly. shelf and having, having a look. That's, that's... That's what I teach. That's what I always like to say. I don't know the answer to anything, uh, to everything, but I know how to find out about anything. Ha ha ha! Although several books on valency have appeared since the first edition, this book was published in 1944. It still stands alone in dealing with both the old, established concepts of chemical valency, on which most school courses are based, and with the modern electronic theories. I mean, there we are. It's very authoritative, and we still don't know what it is. It's just a lovely, you know, and and just the way it's written. It's because it's so obvious what valency is. Hence, hence, this like there. So this is only up to 1930. There was probably a great breakthrough in valency after that. The break, the valency break with the past. During the year 1844, when Pasteur had almost completed his curriculum at the Ecole Normale and was soon to begin work on the tartrates, 
Biot communicated to the Academy de Science on behalf of Mitterschlitz the following note. The sodium-ammonium salts of the dibasic, paratartric and tartric acids have identified chemical compositions, crystalline forms, specific weight and double refraction. But when dissolved in water, tartaric acid rotates the plane of polarization, while tartaric acid is indifferent. Yet here, the nature and number of atoms, their arrangements and distances, are the same in two substances compared. I mean, I think we all agree on that. <laughs> well, this is, the, the, this is where we also talk about the pact, isn't it? Pacts with devils and the, the diabolical, or the potential for that. So, which just a book kind of almost walked out off the shelf there for me, which is Hitler's... Uh, Hitler scientists, uh, science, yeah. war, and the devil's pact. Now, there's presumably a lot of other stuff there, but um, again, that's just a reader. What can I, we can say here? Nazi Germany had a head start in the science and technologies that dramatically transformed armed conflict, leading to ultimate weapons of mass destruction, which was, again, I think you read that about the, the bomb, the atomic bomb, etc., ballistic miss, missiles. So it's these, the thing that I was excited about coming here with you and um, with anyone but it was the the notion of the how once you approach a subject you can, can just you let go a bit and I, the books the, it's the books themselves sort of have a, their own sort of inner sort of way of setting the route you know, if you stay here there's momentum if yeah, you stay here long enough momentum. you will sort of just move freely um, and I'm beginning to relax already now all my, all my early anxiety is gone. Do you know, I'd really what I'd like to do, this is my artist, my visual artist's response to this room here is to come in with ribbon, with an awful lot of ribbon, and, and just start joining up across here yeah. from that book over there, mm. and then actually document the, the roots there, because look, we're straight into quantum generation there. The thing with Hitler scientists, I've been researching that recently, because the whole... Um, Oh, what was, this, what was their science, that awful science? Um, eugenics? Eugenics, yeah, the yeah. science of eugenics in relation to contemporary politics. Ha, ha, ha. My favourite thing there. There was an article by Polly Toynbee recently um, in The Guardian where she said that the Tories have a final solution for the poor and she was utterly shouted down by both the left and the right because you have the Holocaust as a thing that you can't refer to um, because it's a sacred cow, etc., etc. And when reading and researching the language of the politicians and the scientists that worked with eugenics in a political sense, because it was very much brought in as a political science, um, there was a reasonableness about it. This, for everyone's good, we'll just kind of sterilise a few schizophrenics, because in future there won't be schizophrenics, it's for everyone's good, and how it rapidly descended into the death camps. So politics... Um, science, although eugenics was more like alchemy than science, it's kind of politics and something disguised as science, wasn't it? All of that must be here, you know, in great depth. But to draw ribbons, to take ribbons, physically make ribbons across until you'd come to a point where you wouldn't actually be able to move through the library anymore and yet to document all of those. What an exciting thought. If they, those ribbons actually kind of exist, don't they? You know, they're there right now. You could almost just not yeah. penetrate through here because there's just so much going on. Just from standing here, quantum, Nazis, alchemy. And the Germans, the, the Nazis themselves, they were really into alchemy and sort of um, New Age before it was called New Age. Yes, yeah, sandals. 
Sandals, short trousers. Shorts. Healthy okay. young, healthy young men with their tops off. <laughs> it's you know the, all, all the strangeness there, which is dragged in and sort of presented in a way. Of, you know, there was the, 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 the Nazis themselves. They chose that kind of. Um, well, you did a piece about sports in in, in uh, the the Olympics. In fact, the early you reversed a fo- you reversed footage from the uh, the uh, the yeah. Nazi games at the, the German yeah, the, the Berlin 1936 Olympics because that was the first major piece, the most accomplished piece of modern um, propaganda in many respects. The the whole Olympics was the Nazi Olympics. And going back to my fear, loathing and hatred of sports, I reversed the whole Olympics. So So unattained. People stop achieving, people give their medals back, all the national flags get lowered. And at the end of my Olympics, everyone's equal. It's this kind of foolish utopia. and, And it's incredibly watchable as well, whereas I can't watch sport for more than a second or two. Do we have a sec? Is there a section that sort of looks like kind of utopia, you know, imaginary utopias? Or sort um, of, and if so, what, what, what category would that come under, even if it doesn't? There's two things. I mean, we, we, will have, um, we will have works relating to things like that, relating to um, uh, for utopias or sort of future civilizations where everyone is healthy. I mean, we're talking about eugenics, the library is very strong and material relating to that. But we do have, on the other hand as well, we will have a lot of material on notions of sports medicine. I think what's really interesting, if you want to go way, way back in time, and you have someone like uh, one of the names on the wall we've got here, we've got right at the start, we've got Galen. Well, Galen, so this, uh, this chap born into uh, the early civilizations, is someone who was, in some ways, a sports medicine individual. This is the chap who patched up gladiators. So, so the, 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 it, it can be argued the knowledge that he learnt of the human form, the human anatomy, was a practical purpose trying to sort of... Uh, like patching up. Patching up. And, but, but famously, uh, Galen's... Um, because he, wasn't, uh, he didn't carry out uh, any um, uh, autopsies or his animations as we would understand them now, um, his knowledge of the human form, the human body, uh, wasn't correct uh, in, in our understandings. And, but Galen almost sort of ossifies medicine in some ways. He's the sort of father of medicine for many people, a classical sort of uh, uh, a progenitor of many ideas of medicine, notions of the four humours. Yeah, he's at the centre of it. He's got a sort of, sort of starring part there, isn't he? Hip-hop? Yeah, because almost yeah. the names are in a sort of, almost a sort of, um, uh, sort of uh, their the, the order of, uh, of age and development. So it's also sort of a linear sort of route you're going in from Aristotle onwards right round to uh, Flory, so discoverer of uh, penicillin in the far corner there. So even even this set, setting itself is dated in time. This dates from the 1960s, these names being arranged uh, around the freeze. So uh, it, it's, it's almost suggesting at the end there that sort of medicine stops with, with, with penicillin. But as, uh, as, we, as we know, sort of, um, the, the developments have taken place since then, you know, relating to genetics uh, mainly as well. Different drugs have been, uh, been developed over the course of time. But, uh, so even the setting itself is in some ways uh, of its time. In, in a way that so a, lot, a lot of the books on the shelves of learning is, is of their time as well. Well, that's the thing with, with libraries and with books, because they are so fixed, mm-hmm. and there is that attempt to fix in here. You know, there's a great attempt to fix it, and all these great names—they're here. And it's—I'd I'd never like to see that happen. But you could imagine names been painted out and other names put on. As do people become, you know, do they fall from grace or do? It's—it's it's fashion, politics, and all of those things. As reading in my study of sort of quantum mechanics, looking at the notion of consciousness coming into equations, how in the 1950s, um, although that notion of um, 
consciousness entering into the equation that consciousness can affect the observed um, it was impossible for any uh, quantum physicists to study that there were no grants available and I think it was like it was just utterly considered impossible and it was only in the 70s um, the end of the 60s towards the 70s that it actually became possible to genuinely study it within university departments things like that it wasn't considered real science so there was a fashion there and you can see where that fashion came from, from the counterculture of the 60s, from people smoking drugs, taking LSD, expanding their consciousness and going, wow, um, and it, it, it just everything ties together. Have you, but, have you, sorry to, have you, over, have you personally overseen the sort of the, or kind of like, well, the culling of the, of, the, of, the, of the categories, like sort of categories that simply are no longer appropriate? For example, this came about because I was fascinated by, in the Theosophical Society, mm. there is a shelf there still known as there is a category of pessimism now I, the word words out that pessimism no longer exists yep. in a library yeah. is because it comes under it's under well there's philosophy there's overall sure. philosophy sure, it's not sure. a separate kind of shelf whereas yeah. in theosophy it's pessimism now, there's a lot of books there I have to say yeah. so on, on pessimism now have you ever sort of overseen here like so well we can't use this term anymore it's no longer um, I mean, not, not, not quite I mean it's often with the nature of uh, the cataloging systems that we have it sort of terminology gets added to them rather than terms getting sort of dissuaded or getting sort of Chucked out. I mean, I mean, one of the one of the cataloging uh, stories that fascinates me is the, there's even a cataloging term for we're talking about sort of books, we're talking about authors, we've got these names around us on on the freeze. But notions of uh, we have you know, some manuscripts along these lines. How do you catalog um, a manuscript that comes that is um, originated in a séance? Who, who is the author of, of, of a work that is created <laughs> well, we all in know a sense? That really. But how do a library catalogue? Yeah, and, um, and in the theosophical of society, of course, it would be catalogued completely differently because they would believe in the well, ectoplasm. The you know, yes. the ectoplasm would have its own authorial authority. But is it is it is it the is it the, uh, is it the medium through which yeah. uh, the voice is coming? Is it yeah. the scribe writing down yeah. uh, the notes, or is it the or spirit the, that the, is possessing the? Or uh, Doris in the room next door <laughs> pulling the leaves. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's so so it's so cataloging seems to be a very basic, understandable task, but it does throw up oddities that uh, yeah. catalogers have to consider constantly. <laughs> yeah. It's a quick quote. Quick quote from a book, more or less a picked out quote. Chemistry during the first half of the 19th century was dominated by the figure of Basilius despite the fact that as a Swede he was geographically isolated from the major centres of chemical activity. Says it all. Just lovely. <laughs> and then that's right next to a, a Dumas book. Whoops. On the philosoph philosophie chimique. Chimique? French? Chimique. Chimique? Chimique. Yeah. Philosophie chimique. <gasps> Is there, has there ever been any reports of, a, of sort of um, unworldly presences here? Well... Ah. Wow. <laughs> so. I, 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 I myself have never experienced um, anything like that. Um, though there are there are other um, members of uh, of staff who have worked in this building um, later at night who uh, have have reported odd things occurring. I, th I think that's partly due to um, if you turn the lights off in a library. Yeah. Somehow, you always know, imagine almost like that, the Fun O'Brien novel, sort of, uh, or or the full sort of characters coming to life in the in, in the books which surround you. It's a very 
um, a, a very sort of mysterious place, libraries in darkness, yeah. I, I seem to find. I mean, often books on shelves in libraries are providing illumination in some ways. If the, if the lights are turned off, then you're hmm. plunged into uh, in, in darkness in more ways than one. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it does have a, a certain sort of quality, walking through here, scrambling for the lights and trying, trying to put the lights on. But, it's, uh, but I, I myself have never... I've never found anything along those lines. But. I think books themselves can be described as ghosts. Ghosts, you know, they are yeah, ghosts. This is, this is the very nature of yeah, ghosts. I slept in my friend Martin's apartment in Paris. He's a really eccentric book dealer. He used to be a famous rock star in the late 60s, a um, band called Mighty Baby, and he, re- he was the first ever uh, Sufi rock star, apparently. That only lasted a year because they didn't like the lack of sex, drugs and rock and roll. But now he's a book dealer and he wears fantastically nicely cut suits and he's always got a very tatty carrier bag with a 5,000 euro book in it or something. And he's got a book room that I can sleep in at times. And my first night there I had to push books to one side to make room for the mattress. And the smell of the old paper and the books and I'm pushing book. And one of the books I pushed out of the way for the pillow was the first edition Tibetan Book of the Dead. It's kind of like that. You know, it's just like the most amazing and I swear my dreams were infused with typography and it was just there but just looking looking here this beautiful old book Baduma and it's embossed with the name of the owner and his oh. address which is Emile André 47 BD de l'Hôpital so it comes from the hospital hospital library the hospital library in Paris at some, one of the hospitals in Paris and then inside it's stamped again with the welcome Library for the History and Understanding of Medicine. It's just all so beautiful, isn't it? Um, it would be so lovely to turn some of this text into neon. <laughs> we just made a huge neon, a large neon piece, which um, was from some French, really old French poetry, and translated it there. And I've made this really big piece for a Dutch collector, and um, at great expense. And it was only a French intern that was helping me to install it, mention the fact I'd misspelt one of the words. A Tomic or a Tomic? That's, that's, that's almost a thousand pound misspelling. Whoops. But hey, there's books, there's books and books and books here to be. What's the word? Appropriation. To appropriate from books like that. The Chemical Theatre by Charles Nichols. English Paracelsians, all chemical poetry. Oh, David, you've got to make a reading from here. So can I just select yes, one at random? Yes, yeah, please do. All chemical poetry, 1575 to 1700, from previously unpublished manuscripts. There we go. Mm. Okay. Oh, it's in Latin. Oh, that would be really word. difficult. Okay, find one okay. in Latin if you wish. Uh... No, I'll give it, let's have a go because that's the yeah. point, really. I mean, this, is yeah. a, this is sort of old English. I said, I just go to jump straight in here. Yeah. Yeah. A fourth, a shorter way, this uncouth match thinks to conclude when so long him they scratch. With tart, humosa's nails till to an oil, they jointly are resolved by this toil. Ah, I see, I get it. From whom, however, they him free by the by the ad of a more fragrant balsam from a maid, from a maid, extracted with a wish he might here serve, but as the meanest dish. With a wish he might here serve as the meanest dish. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. 
to humane nature as the learned old. Promethean banquet founders had enrolled, of theirs whom yet they, they disdained to lie. So far ingenious was the Shimik Fry. <laughs> Shimiki Fry. That's lovely. Who I could draw. I've got good yep. flesh there. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very nice. Yeah. The alchemist in the Prankunst. So the art of alchemy, presumably. I'm not even going to try to read a, a paragraph of German as much as I'd like to. Nice little workshops. Look, little workshops here. I've seen you wire things up. I've seen you wire things up and, all, and sort of uh, potentially knock yourself off with kind of some of your experiments or art experiments in your flat. Mm. You know, have you got a thing about fire or about sort of the danger or electricity? Cause the reason I, I'm going to perhaps going to conclude with looking at a section on the electrical theologians, and I've always thought of you as being someone who has a bit of a Sort of it, yeah. wish, death wish almost, with electricity. <laughs> Maybe that's... No, I, I don't know as so much death wish, but certainly the higher the voltage, the more the fun, that's got to be said. Um, I mean, there's this working with neon, there's the, 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 the joke being you work with watercolour and you might get a little rash, but if you touch one of those wires, you actually you literally disappear in a puff of smoke. Right. 10,000 volts on the kitchen table. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. But I mean, ele electricity, alchemy dreams and joy next yep oh yes i know all right let's have a reading oh there's no, nothing oh there is a little bit ah okay i went out to the hazelwood because a fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread and when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. <laughs> it's a little like a Hallmark greeting card, but I'll go with it. <laughs> Round the corner, what have you got? Famous chemist, the men and their work, Tilden illustrated. Magic, mayhem and mavericks. That's got to be you, David. You're definitely the maverick. Oh. Let's see if you're in the... Uh, go on, have a look. I'm going to see if you're in the index. David Ellis, Ellis. Let's see, look under E for Ellis. Closest we've got is Einstein, electric field, electricity, electrochemical cell, electrochemistry, electrode, electrodynamic, electric field, electromagnetic wave, electromagnetism, electron orbits, electrons, electron spin, electrostatic energies, electrostatic interaction. Elementary principles, elementary treatise, elements, elements of chemistry, elements of psychophysics. Psychophysics? Psychophysics, Ross. Psychophysics. Goodness me. Um, I, I would wish to be able to wax lyrical upon that theme, but I'll have to draw a blank on that one. I would, okay. I would, the, the book's title, Simon, is, is it? Magic, Mayhem, Mayhem and Mavericks. Mavericks. All I can think of is along the lines of... Uh, an occult practice that maybe doesn't exist anymore, or something related to an old, older fashion of psychology. But that's a, a mere guess. Yeah, a mere guess. We're definitely one to look up. The notion of spirit, spirits, spirits. That's a word. I mean, that, but very much they'll be here everywhere. You think of alcohol as spirits, and then the spirits of the alchemy, the spirits of the ghosts we talked of. Um, 
there's something magical about spirits the volatile aromatic compounds do you know about volatile aromatic compounds they're all, all the best things in the world um, the oils in coffee um, they're, they're all the exciting things drugs all sorts of things they all contain huge amounts of volatile aromatic compounds they're also very carcinogenic but it's just such a lovely term volatile aromatic compounds talking of drugs I had hoped I, mean, I don't think it's going to happen today but maybe at some other later date I wanted to see you in a pair of white gloves I want to see you in a pair of white gloves, kind yeah. of the kind of you know, you know the kind of forensic gloves, because there's this notion about how um, you know when you're handling, physically handing a manuscript or something that's I mean, 700 years old, and obviously there's a certain amount of things you have to do, and there's sort of forensics in that, and the like the the, the art world, and I'm sure you've handled a few, you know bits of artwork with white gloves mm. so maybe at some later date you'll come back and and uh, check out some manuscripts and material or something manuscripts um, definitely thing to do you know, just sort of physically handle something the other one was uh, again for perhaps some later date was the I was interested in the LSD trials at um, Edgewood Arsenal I think that in, was the, in the, the United military States. ones that we the military Arsenal yeah, yeah. Partly because I was fascinated by the name Edgewood. I just like, you know, Edgewood is some place out there in the United States where the early experiments were taking place in 1957. Now, you've had your experiments, and it's kind of common knowledge that you experimented with quite sort of heavy doses of um, all kinds of drugs and yes. cocaine and stuff. And a, and a piece of work, an artwork, was actually based on your work uh, mm. on cocaine. Mm. And, and hoping, hoping to make uh, an even bigger one. But, I mean, they're just, just because chemistry history drugs mind-changing drugs the idea of drugs as healing it's it's just utterly bound up with humanity isn't it are there any other animals that use drugs in the same way or other things to heal um you know you sort of think of hippopotamuses that cover themselves in mud so they're protected from the sun and various things like that but um bees with honey thing this this is there's a kind of nature natural alchemy Balm, goes on bombs so. but another quick reading here in bonding orbitals electrons find themselves spending time between the two nuclei and holding the nuclei together like glue the electrons are attracted to the nuclei nuclei okay really struggling with some of the words um, if an electron is removed from a bonding orbital and promoted to an anti-bonding orbital, then the bonds become weaker or disappears. Dilithium would have two electrons in a bonding orbital, but if light of the right wavelength hit it, an electron would be promoted to the next closest anti-bonding orbital. Now, dilithium, that's what they used in Star Trek. See? This is where it comes from. The drive in Star Trek probably came from this book in the first place. Dilithium crystals. You probably find that actually at the ba in, in the basement of here that there's a huge stash of dilithium crystals. Now that's something that frights me, libraries. Does anyone remember where this book went? <laughs> oh, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we can put that one back later. I think look, there's a gap here. Caplan to Morse. Morse and to the numbers. Have, I imagine that's one more little walk. Songs out. of Haiti. Well, we came, we sort of descended from the stairs, come Becoming downstairs, now maybe go out to. Well known book, White Mechlin. The main entrance as we come in the building. Sort of book, you know, I can imagine, you know, it's got to go quick, stick that under my coat, take that book away, and I'm going to become a doctor and just get a stethoscope. And, and, and of course, we have Mengele. Oh my God. It's, uh, I'm, I, it's more important who he's next to. I, I can't really see who he's sharing. Uh, we've got the last Nazi, we've got. Uh, oh, this is the Nazi files, so I suppose, in some way. A well-murdered thing. Well-ordered thing. Oh, <laughs> it's for murder. Yeah, OK. <laughs> a well-murdered... I like that. Oh, a that's title. obviously, look. A well-murdered thing. On Mendeleev and the periodic table. Mm. Oh, 
Did you know they've actually got two new elements very recently? Uh, elements, uh, two new elements on the periodic table which are created for microseconds and they're using, they're bombarding some even more not quite so recent elements and they bombard them and bombard them and just for a flash of a second the new elements have been created and then they disappear, they actually decay into the elements before. So the, I always thought it was a fixed thing but it's actually growing the periodic table. Um, songs of Haiti, why should the Songs of Haiti in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And I mean, that's a bit of a jump, but there you go. Something like hell was created later by man on a Caribbean island, which heaven and earth had combined to make a tropical paradise before the Europeans arrived. Dun, dun, dun. By the time they withdrew, Haiti's native population was exterminated, its land exhausted, and its brutality imported Afri and its brutally imported Africans left to rot in poverty. Isn't that paradise, the, the notion of paradise and the westerner and think of the Bikini Atoll, a, a literal paradise on the earth. So what do we do? We go and drop a hydrogen bomb on it, turn the beaches into glass and leave it sort of uninhabitable for the next hundred years or so. Doesn't that make so much sense? Um, a picture of Glenn and, uh, Gwen and Larry there with cast on the old river. It, it, there's something, the way that's written, obviously, it's part of the book. I feel as if we should know. Yeah. It's, it's like the, 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 the title you go with the old National Geographic um, yeah. magazines, which are really to the point. Such and such a person doing such and such a thing. Well, apparently here, on New Year's Day 1946, Gwen finished packing for herself and for Larry, who could only sit and watch and nurse his broken wing. The next morning, they left Breezy Bench in a station wagon, depositing the kids at Orn Ranch School on their way to Phoenix Airport. Commercial flying in 1946 was a risky, unpredictable business. Sounds like Ryanair. Ha ha. They got as far as Texcana in Arkansas, and then the plane was grounded by bad weather. The passengers stampeded down to the local train station. Sort of um, early flight. Thinking of aeroplanes then with real cutlery and flying below the cloud level on aeroplanes that sort of barely, barely managed to make it up, sort of zooming along. Um, Larry Mellon, right at the bottom there, it just says Larry Mellon had a midlife identity crisis. Ah, now that's cause for concern all around. Now we know about that. It's what possibly one of the reasons this is what you do when you're in a slightly middle, some kind of crisis, not necessarily a middle life one, is to come to a, a, a library when it's closed and kind of find something that perhaps unexpected and, and, and I'm still kind of beginning to feel a little bit more relaxed than, uh, now that I've been here for the last hour. Simon? One more. One more. The Trashing of Margaret Mead, Anatomy of an Anthropological Controversy. Controversy, there must be so much. Look, there's a book, Margaret Mead and Samoa and Dr. Richard Reed. No, that's, that's a few hundred years before. Controversy, there must be so much controversy within these shelves. To think of a library containing controversy, you go back to the idea of book burning once again. Dr. Grigger of Nairn. HJS gun trip. I 
I found something I think we should look at before we leave unexpectedly here on the wall I think perhaps sums up actually nothing sums up anything does it no. it's on the wall and it's worth reading um, I have always imagined that paradise will be a kind of library Georges Louis Borges lovely fantastic Simon. Mm -hmm. thanks for joining me thanks for inviting Great. Do you need any atmosphere?